and welcome to episode 19 of Girl Mode. I'm one of your hosts, Robin B. And I'm your other host, Willow Rowe. So last week, Willow, we watched the uh, very exciting, very full of games we're definitely going to play PlayStation State of Play event. The show started with a a little mini uh, PSVR 2 showcase uh, because, you know, at at that time of recording, the PSVR had just come out that week as well. So it seemed like Sony was trying to show off the uh, amazing power of their new toy uh, and doing a pretty bad job of it. But (laughs) because of that, we've been thinking about VR a bit and, you know, kind of what it would take, uh, I think, to convince either of us or kind of anyone uh, that it's really a thing worth investing in. Um, So this is going to be a sort of just freeform episode about the idea of VR, like whether we think it's working, whether we think there's anything like out there now that's like really worth playing. Uh, and if not, like what's what's preventing that from happening? So I guess to start off, I just want to ask you, like, what's your have you played with VR? Do you like own one of these devices? Like what's your what's your relationship with this uh, technology that has been the future of gaming for the past like 25 years, apparently? <laughs> I know. I do not own any VR headsets. The only real experiences I've ever had with VR are like little demos at at like film festivals where they will have like experimental film and it'll be in VR. But I've never really had the chance to play any like real VR games. Uh, it's always something kind of like you were saying for the past 10 years, I feel like I've been hearing about VR and I've been like interested and like, oh, maybe maybe one of those days, one of these <laughs> days I'll like spend some money on a VR headset and try it out. But that day has never come um, <laughs> because I've never seen the need. Yeah. Have any, so I haven't had, you know, the same experience as you with it. Have, have you seen any of those things that have been at, you know, film festivals or whatever that were really impressive or do they always kind of feel like a tech demo? Like, yeah, they're terrible. None of it ever did it for you. (laughs) Yeah. I I think they're pretty crap. Honestly, I don't think, um, I don't know. The thing is they weren't really like games. They were more like film people trying to make interesting interactive cinema experiences and i thought they were all kind of crap yeah Mm -hmm. i don't know i I, yeah i could see there being potential for those being interesting but it would be uh, i don't know a long shot i think vr would need to be a lot more normalized than it is now where it's i i genuinely think the novelty of it kind of makes the things that people are creating with it worse because people are so concerned with it being this new thing and needing to show it off as this special new tool that just making a good game or movie uh, kind of takes a backseat to being like a spectacle. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could very much see that being a problem, especially with the sort of film festival, experimental film demo thing where it's, you know, people who are unfamiliar with the technology just sort of just sort of trying to show off with it. Though I guess to be fair, that that feels like a lot of what VR gaming is as well. <laughs> um, yeah. That's not exclusive to like VR films. Uh, so, I mean, you have a VR headset. I do. I have the, uh, the Oculus Quest Two, the, um, the Meta Quest Two. I, I, oh, excuse me. Uh, <laughs> apologies to Mark Zuckerberg. I do. I do have one of those. I, I bought it uh, pretty early on in the pandemic because I was locked in my apartment and wanted to pretend I wasn't. Uh, and putting on a VR headset seemed like a pretty efficient way of doing that. So yeah, I got really into it for like a, a little while after I, I got it, and then it 
pretty quickly uh, leveled off. And at this point, I don't think I have I've used my my headset since like, I don't know, last June, (laughs) whenever (laughs) Moss 2 came out. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know, like when I'm playing a VR game and it seems really good, I'm like, I don't know. I'm pretty sold on it. Like there are some things that have come out that I'm like, okay, this is great. Like this feels like a good case for it uh, on its own, but there hasn't been that sort of like critical mass of things that are interesting enough and different from each other enough that makes it seem like it would be worthwhile. Yeah. I think for me, one of the things that has kept me from like getting a VR headset for myself is with like any gaming hardware, I feel like one of the biggest ways to sell it is to have like a killer app. That really like shows off why you need something. And honestly enough, I don't think VR has had it. Even with like the game that I always have been like, oh, I wish I could play this was like Half-Life Alex. Mm -hmm. But it's just like, I feel like I couldn't justify it because it's like one game and I don't think there's enough interesting titles like over time. Like what else would I play? I mean, I don't know. For me, I think Beat Saber is pretty close to that killer app like Mm -hmm. i think it's just a really good execution of you know a fairly familiar like gameplay formula like it's like a rhythm game you're supposed to hit you know you just hit things on the beat like you're responding to on-screen indicators and like hitting the button when it happens except instead of hitting the button you are cutting it in half with like a you know vr lightsaber or whatever um (laughs) which sounds very simple but like in practice it really does a good job of transporting you in the way that like good vr does where like it, it just feels like you are just floating in the space and you can really get get like locked into it um Mm -hmm. and kind of like yeah just really get into the flow and sort of forget uh that you're you're wearing this helmet uh and it's also just fun to like wave your arms around and uh especially in those days the the very early pandemic when i was mostly just you know sitting around my apartment it was good to move my body (laughs) occasionally uh remember that i still had a body but yeah, so that's also kind of the problem with the VR, I think, is that a lot of them do seem like even the best of them are are fairly limited experiences. Like I think Beat Saber is a great, uh, a great rhythm game. And I think from what I've heard, you know, Alex, uh, Half-Life Alex sounds like a really good like shooter game. But none of the things that have really popped off are are that unique to VR? Like they're, they're not doing anything that you, you kind of couldn't do without it. And I think that makes it a really hard sell, especially when there aren't enough good games in it to begin with to, to really justify it, you know? Yeah. That's like something that I would think about a lot because I feel like so often when I look up like games in VR that people are like, oh, you should play this. Nowadays, there's a lot of like, oh, well, you can play this game that already exists just mm-hmm. in VR now. Cause it's like, oh, you can play Resident Evil 4 or eight in vr and you can play skyrim in vr and like all these things i'm like but why would i this just seems kind of trivial i think the only one that like semi seems interesting is super hot has a vr like experience and i feel like that game would be awesome in vr but it's also like i played it on my desktop already and it was still good like yeah it is yeah i i don't know when or if there has been a game that like fully does it in a way that I feel like others couldn't. I mean, I know you love Moss and Moss too. Like what, why is that? And like, do you feel like they're really 
you know, representative of like what VR games should be doing more of? Yeah, let's, I'll, I'll take a long path to get there because there, there are some <laughs> things you touched on that I wanted to mention, which is like, yeah, the, the habit of, uh, you know, a lot of developers just sort of like port non-VR games into VR, which does, I mean, it, it, they kind of play out like how you would expect. Like it's the same game, except with a sort of wonkier control scheme. Like there is some novelty in them. I played the super hot VR game and it is good, but it's certainly not like if you've already played super hot, it's, it isn't good enough that you should like go out and get a VR or whatever. I also, the the most sick I've ever gotten in VR was playing Skyrim, um, <laughs> which is like kind of fun to goof around in. It's like not a, I, I don't think Skyrim's that great to begin with. Uh, and in VR, I think it's especially not great, but it is kind of fun just to like screw around and like, you know, shoot fire out of your palms or whatever. But I was, I was playing it at one point. My, my friend had it. Uh, this was, it must've been before I had my own VR thing, but I, at one point wasn't paying attention enough to where I was going. And I walked off the side of the mountain of a mountain and just plummeted like 20 stories <laughs> to the ground. And immediately I had to like, like close my eyes and like wrench the headset off of my head because I felt I was going to throw up. Yeah. Uh, and I was sick for like the rest of the night, uh, <laughs> which was a really miserable experience. Like it's, it's probably the most I've ever felt motion sick <laughs> was because of that. So there's certainly some pitfalls there, but yeah, to, to get back to Moss, I think a problem that I have with a lot of, of VR games is uh, something that actually it inverse we used to refer to as uh, jetpack basketball, which is like the tendency of VR games to just be all about like, you're doing this wild thing, you're flying through the air. It's, it's you know, it's trying to be this spectacle and put you in this you know, in, in this position where it's just trying to like completely overwhelm and wow you, uh, but without really having any substance. And those things can be kind of fun, I, I guess, but they, they don't really ever appeal to me because it is just kind of like a sensory overload thing. Whereas I think the, the games that have really impressed me are kind of much, much simpler affairs. Like Moss 2, I think is still one of my favorite VR games because like it doesn't really try to pull any of those, those tricks. Like it's not trying to wow you. It's not trying to show you spectacle. It's, I think it really keys in on what, what VR can do that no other kind of platform can do quite as well. And I think part of that comes down to the environments. So, so in Moss, you play as this sort of like disembodied spirit who is looking down over the the scene where the game is playing out. And so with like your view is uh, it's sort of it's like diegetic to the character in the game. Like what you're seeing is what that character is seeing. And when you're moving like your little controller around, you can you can as that character manipulate things in the environment. At the same time, you're controlling this little mouse character uh, who. Uh, you know, runs through the the levels in the kind of a typical platformer fashion. But I think what the, what makes the trick really work in Moss is you have this kind of overhead view of everything that's going on because the you know your view tracks like wherever you are. You can like be sitting on your couch and literally just like lean forward like toward the the scene, and you're able to like 
look around the architecture and you know get a closer look to see if there's like a secret hidden behind this thing or whatever uh, or just get up close to quill the like mouse character to really like make to be able to see like the the detail into her model and um you can like you know there's like a little button you can push to like pet quill and just his cute little interaction 10 out of 10 10 out of 10 but i think those are like two two things that vr can do really well that like a lot of games haven't explored well and i think one of like the first one is that sense of place like the sense that you're a character in this world and you know you can you can get in close you can you can move your body to like have a different view of things that will help you play the game or just help you uh feel like the environment you're in is a little bit more real uh and i feel like a lot of games don't play with that quite enough of making the environments like interesting spaces like even if you have something like half-life alex where it's like uh, there are some, you know, interesting levels and stuff. It, it's all kind of just like you're just walking through the level and it's a bunch of warehouses or like city streets or whatever. Uh, and there's not a ton of cool ways to play with your perspective. I think that's that's that shifting perspective is something that, that can be really powerful if done well. And the other thing is making this making this little mouse character feel alive. Like I noted in my review, like it, it's an, a really like emotional game even though the story is not particularly like original but because you're able to like you feel like you're sharing space with this character and you can really feel like they are a like a living thing who's inhabiting it and it also i mean like the story does play with the connection between those two characters in a really fun way so i think i don't know for me that that's a very long way of just saying that to me that illustrates like that the thing that's special about vr isn't the ability to deliver like spectacle and these kind of like, you know, fast paced, like uh, exciting games or whatever. It's it's about the I don't know. There's a, there's a sense that these characters feel more real because you're not just looking at a TV screen. You, I mean, you are just looking at a screen, but it's uh, it feels like you're in the space with them. And it's it's kind of hard to articulate, even if you haven't you know played with these things that like that sense of presence, that sense of like this character is in the room with you is so much more powerful than you would assume it to be just from hearing that description. I think like, I don't know, it really illustrates the ways in which it's very easy to trick our brains into thinking that fake things are real. Uh, because it's like, you know, you kind of naturally just take what you're seeing at face value when it is filling your field of vision. And that's like a very simple thing that I think a lot of a lot of your games don't really take enough advantage of. Yeah, I think the issue with VR in some way is that even with these experiences, and I feel like good VR experiences are fewer and far between, I don't think there's been a convincing argument just by companies that do VR that you should invest in them also. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, just thinking about like PlayStation and like the PlayStation VR 2, it feels like in a, it's somewhat dead on arrival already. Yeah. Just in the case of like, you know, seeing the paltry like offerings at State of Play and like they had one big drop, which was that they have the Horizon VR game, which is supposed to be pretty great. But it's like, I don't think there's any news of like any other interesting, like big budget, you know, project yeah. from Sony for this. And it's so expensive. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. The PSVR 2 is like, how much, what is it? It's like $500, right? Yeah. It's more expensive than a PlayStation 5. Yeah. Which is, which is. And you wild. also have to have a PlayStation 5. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that's like, that's, that's such a limiting factor. Like it's really, it's, you can't overstate how much that's 
driving people away. Like mm-hmm. you're looking at dropping a thousand dollars on this thing, like, you know, including the PS5, of course, but no one is going to be impressed enough by Horizon Call of the Mountain to do that. You know, as good as it might be, like, it sounds interesting. I- I'd love to play that game, but there's just no world where I'm going to spend the money to buy a second VR headset, you know? That's also something I think is interesting. Like, I understand there's like a, you know, there's different consoles and stuff for traditional gaming, but there's something about VR where I feel like this first party mentality just doesn't work, Mm -hmm. which is why I think Sony especially fails in the VR space versus like meta mostly where it's like, okay, if you buy... Like if you buy some of the like PC VR headsets, like, you know, whatever, you can play it any game pretty much. There's like mm-hmm. not really exclusives, but with Sony, there is, and you can't play like a majority of other VR games. So it's like, how would you even convince yourself to invest in multiple types? I just, it's, mm, yeah. it's such an expense. And I feel like I haven't seen anything that convinces me personally that I would want to do it. Except actually there's a couple cases. Yeah, yeah. What what have okay. you seen that would be like that, that seems exciting to you that you wish you could play? There are two. One is a okay. semi joke, but like okay. kind of not. Mm-hmm. I shared this with you before and I don't know what the status on this project is, but there's a Final Fantasy 14 VR project. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Which legitimately i think looks awesome and i know this is like a pretty basic analogy uh but it it reminds me of sword art online <laughs> which is the which is something i always think about uh uh-huh. like the vr mmo it just looks so cool and you know i'm already like bought in a little bit because i like final fantasy and i play that game a bunch but there's something about interacting with like other people in that world in mm-hmm. a way that looks really cool which kind of connects to the game that i actually think is most interesting almost with VR, weirdly enough. For me, I think the most interesting thing I've seen with VR is like VR chat. Yeah. Which I know technically isn't a game in itself. It's It's more of a space. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's something that I feel like can only be done in VR and to like see people create all their own spaces and like interact and do all this stuff. It's it's really fascinating. Like there's a documentary on HBO mm-hmm. called We Met in Virtual Reality. There's also a YouTube video from People Make Games also about VR chat. And both of them to like different levels show the pros and cons of like VR and VR chat specifically. But it's really cool seeing how VR specifically could be a space for like communities like MMOs or just the internet in general. Like it helps connect people who wouldn't be connected. And it's a new way to do that. And VR chat specifically with it's like, you know, larger amount of freedom of what users can do. It's actually fascinating. Like one of the things that I've come to believe about VR is I feel like VR is going to be more viable for the public as something outside of gaming first mm-hmm. and then eventually people will start making interesting games for it but this yeah push, totally yeah but this push for it to be like a gaming device feels like limiting and also like mm-hmm. and like unimaginative and it also restricts it to such like a niche it's basically like are you a real gamer well the <laughs> realist of real gamers also have vr but like using the technology for something else seems more interesting 
than yeah, anything I, I've seen in a game. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I mean, like my my experience with Moss even, I think, illustrates that point where it's the thing that really struck me about that game was like, it's not the gamey bits, you know? It's not like the platforming and the combat are like not that special. But what's special is like, the feeling that you're inhabiting this environment and the feeling of like sharing that space with another person or mouse in this case. <laughs> and I think that's that's something that both of those projects that you mentioned have have in common. It's like they're both about inhabiting a a space that is impossible to exist in the real world, right? Like I would love to run around Limsa in in VR or or like any any environment really in in Final Fantasy 14 and just like you know, see the like virtual buskers and stuff hanging out, you know, in, in the plaza or being able to talk to folks. Uh, and that's something that like the VR chat. Yeah, it's also like that's what it's for. Like, I think in a weird way, like VR chat kind of understands the appeal in a way that's better than almost anything else. Yeah. Where it's like you're you're in this space, you're able to uh, communicate with people who aren't there, which is like, you know, a thing that you can always do on the Internet. But like I was saying earlier like if you haven't experienced that 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 feeling of being present with someone who who actually isn't there or kind of doesn't exist at all it's it's so much more convincing than than you would probably imagine it to be vr chat's a really interesting case too because you mentioned like the, the sort of freedom and customizability where you're able to design like both the space you're inhabiting and your avatar to like an incredible degree of freedom which obviously is it's an avenue for self-expression that I think has not really been fully explored. And I think that's another thing that VR could be really excellent at, to not only feel that you're inhabiting space that doesn't exist with people who aren't there, but that you're doing it as a uh, a, a different person, you know, or a different version of yourself that I think is really fascinating. Yeah, I I'm very curious as to why, like, you know, VR for like so long has been talked about in this way where it's like, oh, VR is going to be big. And like, you know, gaming has especially done this where like, oh, VR is going to be the next big thing. Like, I feel like especially like early on, it was like, eventually we like won't have regular consoles. It'll be VR. <laughs> um, and this idea still kind of permeates every once in a while. But I do think it's like legitimately kind of while that this tech that people have been trying to make happen for so long kind of refuses to become big. Yeah. I it's a little confusing. Like I do feel like there is something that oh it totally should have been big by now. Well, I mean, I think it's a part of it is this is something we've talked about before too, which is like the the way that gaming is the gaming industry is intertwined with the technology industry, and I think like the tech industry is always going to want to push whatever its new thing is as some kind of major innovation as the next big thing like especially given the cost of both the hardware and the cost of developing for VR you want to have as big of an install base as possible to make your games succeed and i think the way to do that is to both sell people on the idea that it's the next big thing and you need to get on board or you're going to be missing out uh, and i think that's also what leads to the the kind of jetpack basketball problem where it's much easier to sell someone on the idea of like this wild spectacle, like you're going on a roller coaster ride, than it is to convince someone that like sitting on your couch and talking to someone through VR chat is going to be a uh, a worthwhile experience. Like mm -hmm. I think that's a much harder sell, even if I think it is a better use case for VR. Uh, and I think there's necessarily like a smaller 
I mean, it's the blockbuster versus like indie problem, right? Like there's going to be a smaller audience for those kind of thoughtful things uh, for games, if we even want to call them that, that are about like connecting with other people and about uh, experiencing, you know, impossible spaces than there is about like, oh, it's cool. You have a gun and you can like feel like you're really there. Like (laughs) that stuff is easy to sell from a marketing perspective, whereas the actual interesting projects take a lot more convincing, I think, to get people to see the the value of them. Mm-hmm. Like speaking of games that I've played, not in VR, but I know have VR and are interesting to me and how it's used in VR is Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes, mm-hmm. which is a game that like I really, really love. Um, I just play it on like my PC. And like for people who don't know, this is basically a game where like one person is on the computer or you know, however you're playing it, you basically are looking at an in-game bomb that has like different modules and the person or like people you're playing with are supposed to like basically sit away from you and not look at the screen. And they have a literal PDF that is bomb disposal tips and how to cut wires and go through all these like different mechanisms to stop the bomb. And you have to like talk with them and describe the bomb and they'll like flip through and give you the like the tips and so that's a game that i've played a lot it's very very fun on desktop at least Mm -hmm. how i've played it but there is something to it that i feel like vr would make it a little bit more interesting and i know you've played it in vr so i'm curious to like see how that is for you yeah i'm interested to hear what you you think vr would like add to it Um, because I actually have only played it in VR so I don't really know if I can say it's like necessarily a better experience Mm -hmm. but yeah I mean with that being the only way that I've played it I I think it is a really cool game. I think for me the thing that I feel could be better in VR about this game is it is the immersive idea where having the VR headset on kind of like makes the person who is doing the bomb even more kind of like isolated from the other group Mm -hmm. Um, because I think there's something almost disorienting about it in a good way kind of where you can't even just like look around where you are just to like (laughs) anchor yourself so and you literally can only look at the the bomb and you only can hear people because like I've seen my I've found myself like looking to talk to someone like when I'm playing not not like looking at the PDF or something but like looking at them and then looking at me and being like okay here's what you here's here's the, the process and I'm like okay and then I'll look back but like kind of erasing that ability seems like it would just kind of make the game more exciting yeah I think that tracks like you know, it kind of goes back to that presence idea where like you you feel like you're in this room with this bomb, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and if it goes off, that's going to be bad news for you. Uh, and there is something about being able to like see it up close and like the way you disarm it is that, like you can like turn it around with your with your hands and, you know, do the little things where you're like snipping wires and stuff. Just just doing those motions do kind of add to that like immersive element. And like you were saying, like you can't see your friends who are directing you when you do this so they just become these like shouting disembodied voices and you can't even like look at them for like the the reassurance that like things are going okay Mm -hmm. you yeah you really do feel like you're stuck alone in this thing which i think really really works for the game uh like it, it just feels more dire and more like 
I think the disconnect between the people giving instructions and the people, uh, the person disarming the bomb does make it feel, I don't know, yeah, it's more asymmetric, you know, like you're really relying on them. Uh, like they have to guide you through. Uh, when we played it, we actually even like we printed the PDF just for like another element of chaos where like the people outside were like flipping through like printed pages <laughs> and like, you know, just to make it more exciting, which I, I think, I don't know, that's that's a thing that, that is also really interesting to me, the idea of like the asymmetrical experience where the person inside the the headset and the person, the people outside of them have like different information that they need to feed to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a game that's somewhat like that. Uh, I think a couple of them that are, there's one that's like a, it's called Star Trek Bridge Crew, but I think there's another one that's like, just like a not, you know, licensed one or whatever, where everybody who's playing has a different like control panel basically. And you're trying to like, you know, steer the spaceship together, but you all have different information. So it's that same thing of like communicating the limited information you have to help the rest of the the people you're playing with be able to accomplish these tasks. Things like that, like I think VR is really suited to those sort of party games, like the sort of like, I don't know, Wario or like overcooked style game where it's about the chaos and like it's kind of good that it's it's wonky and hard to control at times. Uh, I think that's another like fun, fun use case for VR. Yeah, I was going to say it sounds kind of like they just need the WarioWare of VR games. Yeah, exactly. I think that would be. I think. Oh, be my really God. Cool. Okay, this Which... is we were just talking about Psychodacy yes. last episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I'm thinking about this now because when they do Amnesia Fortnite, like the first time around in it, Zach who was the like project lead at the time, his game for Amnesia Fortnite, he literally pitches it as like WarioWare in VR. Mm-hmm. And, and they, it didn't look fun as hell? It did. They showed it off and it looked really, really fun because like one person would be in the VR and they have a whole group on like the couches around just like shouting at the person. And it's <laughs> yes. hilarious. It did look great. It's interesting because it's it's the same kind of idea almost as as something like VR chat, where the appeal is how it interacts with other people, mm-hmm. even if the other people aren't also in VR. Yeah, totally. I mean, there's um, a, a somewhat similar one is, I don't know, there's sort of a whole genre of games like this, but the I think the one that sort of kicked it off was the um, Job Simulator. Oh, which yeah. Is, it's essentially the same. It's a, a similar deal where it's just a bunch of mini games. Like you can work in you know, like there's a setting where you're like in an office or there's one where you're like running a convenience store or whatever. And it's just giving you these kind of like outlandish tasks you have to do that are fun because of the sort of limitations of of the control that you have in VR. It's, it's like these very cartoony environments and a very funny tone to it. And um, it goes back to that presence thing. Like when you are like absorbed in that environment, I think it leads you to sort of embrace that chaos and like make funny decisions as opposed to like, how am I going to win the game decisions? You're like naturally incentivized to just like do goofy things uh, and like screwing up is fun. And that's a great game to play. Um, like there's some like the PSVR, I know you can like mirror what you're seeing in the headset to uh, like the TV where like the the PlayStation is running. And it's really fun to do that also with like a a group of friends who can like, you know, be yelling at you and you're kind of like putting on this little performance for them, like as you play the game. Um, So there's a lot of interesting ways to cross that barrier between like, you know, either people who are all in VR, like, but at different locations or people in the same location and not, not everyone is in VR. 
Um, there, there is something about that, either taking people in disparate settings and bringing them into the same one virtually, or taking people who are in the same place, but sort of virtually separating them uh, with, with VR. I think those are they're interesting ways that you can play with that, that presence aspect and, and change the setting without actually having to like go anywhere, you know? And I think there's like, there's so much potential there that I think is yet to be discovered, which makes it all the more unfortunate that so many of these experiences seem to be like the fucking game that's evidently based on foundation in some way that they just <laughs> turn into a shooting game, right? It's like, there's this, I don't know, it's almost a reluctance to veer too far from traditional uh, game genres, even though we're we're dealing with a much different technology that that doesn't excel at traditional games, but does have a lot of potential in things that that those games couldn't really by their nature do. And yeah. I, I don't know, it's probably a monetary incentive thing, but it, it really, I don't know, it, it's really too bad that there isn't that that push to really explore the the things that VR could do in that realm, like in the way that it changes the way that you interact with other people. Mm-hmm. I'm sure this exists probably somewhere, but I feel like I can't help but imagine like a super fun asynchronous like VR game where one person has a VR headset and like acts as kind of this omniscient like god like you have in Moss. And then other people who don't have VR are just like running around in the world and the god character can just like fuck with them. Surely this exists. I mean... I'm surprised I can't think of an example of that because mm-hmm. that sounds great. Exactly. <laughs> like that. Um, yeah. Like I'm I like in my mind, I'm envisioning like gang beasts, but also there's a player <laughs> yes. who can just pick you up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or like a platformer. If you could like build the kind of like build the world on the fly for the other people to walk through. Yeah. It'd be great. I, clearly, we just need to make the VR games. Yeah, this is how we announce we're uh, starting a game studio. Um, <laughs> Girl Mode Productions. Uh, we're set to be acquired by Microsoft. It's going to be great. Like everything in video games, if we were in charge, it would be better. <laughs> be yeah. Perfect. I mean, or just the world, not just video mm-hmm. games. True. Yeah, I mean, and you mentioned earlier the the Final Fantasy fourteen VR project, which it sounds really great. Which, but that also makes me think of. Uh, I would love to. So there are actually some MMOs in VR. I haven't played any yet, um, and they seem pretty, you know, limited and very much like in the scope of the things we're talking about, where it's just sort of takes traditional, you know, gameplay where you can shoot things, except it's in VR, uh, and then kind of like grafts that into an MMO. But I would love to see something that really, I don't know, that really played with VR more in a like a massively multiplayer setting, like as opposed to like most multiplayer VR games are very like the competitive it's the jetpack basketball thing but i would love to see a game that's like um like book of travels but in vr yeah you know that kind of slow pace the the point of it is to exist in a in a particular setting and you know kind of find your own things to do i think that could be super interesting in vr yeah i was kind of thinking of like what's the vr version of journey yeah i totally yeah i mean yeah if you could like and maybe, you know, that's something that could be feasibly on the horizon, you know, like if people continue to invest in it, like that doesn't seem like a a wild, like a technological impossibility. And it seems like that could be interesting enough that you could actually sell it to people. Whereas like, you know, I don't think you could sell a VR book of travels, like to be honest, like I just think it would be cool. But yeah, I mean, I I think it's like entirely in the realm of possibility right now to make the game that makes people feel as as surprised and moved as they did when they played journey um except also 
you know, make it something that could only exist in VR. I think the only missing thing there is like the the drive to do it, or at least like the ability to get funding to do it, I think is probably the better way to say it. Yeah. Because I'm sure there are developers who would love to do that. It's just like finding a way to get someone to actually pay you to do it. That would be the difficulty. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, VR, it's it's going to be big this year. <laughs> yeah, this we've just year. solved VR. So actually, this is the great time to get in. <laughs> It'll be one of those the... things like, I'll, I'll keep considering it. Yeah. I thought about getting... A meta quest for a while, but they mm-hmm. raised the price. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got it before they raised the price, which was an incredible decision. <laughs> so maybe one of these days we'll see. Mm-hmm. So I think we've pretty much solved VR, uh, made it a viable platform. As soon as the girl mode VR MMO comes out, it's it's <laughs> it's going to be over for PlayStation. Uh, but aside from not playing VR, uh, what have you been up to this week, Willa? Yeah, I have been like making a conscious effort to try to read more. Um, I I love reading, but I just haven't done it a lot lately because I've just been mm-hmm. so deep in work, and I'm just trying to like get out of that mindset a little bit on weekends. So this week, I'm reading a book that I've really been enjoying. It's called A Dowry of Blood by mm. S. T. Gibson. You'll realize why I like this book a lot very quickly. <laughs> okay, so it's. <laughs> The main character is a lesbian. I mean, you're close. Um, but it's it's basically like a pseudo retelling of Dracula, although it hmm. doesn't. So it's not really a retelling because it really doesn't talk about the events of Dracula. But it focuses on Dracula and two of his wives. Okay. But in it, basically, the big plot is that the two wives end up falling like in love themselves more with each other and basically it's about them kind of like breaking away from like dracula's kind of emotionally abusive rule and so it's basically just a really queer kind of or not kind of very horny (laughs) vampire (laughs) book which checks all the boxes that i like yeah, that sounds great, actually. <laughs> it's really good. Um, if you like the the biting sequences from uh, Case Study of Anitas, you're <laughs> set in this book as well. <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah. I highly suggest it. It's really short also. It's like 200 pages. In the course of like a day, I read the majority of it. But it's actually just really interesting. I think it's written really well. So I'm someone who fucking loves Dracula and vampire mm-hmm. literature in general. So like reading this book, it's really interesting to see how the author has like still contends with a lot of the like core themes of Dracula in a n- new way because Dracula is like about so many things beyond just like queerness and like the idea of like queerness as being this weird other. Uh Dracula is also a book about like industrialization and the fear of of like the Orient at the time, like mm-hmm. this idea that the other is terrifying or, and it's also about like imperialism and the British expansion. There's a lot of these themes in there and it's a really, really great book. We should do Girl Mode Reads Dracula. There you go. But yeah. so to see um, this author contend with those themes at the same time as like making this a really interesting queer romance is really enjoyable and the writing's just very well done actually so that's like what i've been reading it's been really great i recommend it uh 
to those who also like hot vampires. You can um, just say me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's what I've been up to. Uh, what about you? Yeah, I, I mean, that sounds great. I definitely want to read that now. I also have an entry in uh, Girl Mode Book Club, uh, which is that I... About a month ago now, I guess, I, I got a Kindle, which was something I'd been thinking about for a while, mainly so I can like check out ebooks from the library instead of having to go there and get actual books and then forgetting to take them back for several months. <laughs> um, I am also taking this as an opportunity to start reading more comics. We've talked a lot about comics. Uh, it, it's like I there's a few that I really love and like a few artists in particular who I really love. But in general, I don't I, I'm not like you know, up to date on anything. So I started looking for what ones are available. And one that, that caught my eye that I like heard of before, but never really looked into uh, is called Witch Hat Atelier, yeah. which is like a manga series about this little girl who uh, like decides to study witchcraft. I was also thinking about this, like in the lead up to the Hogwarts thing. Uh, and this is like, I don't know, I guess it was just on my mind. Um, and it's like, it's a very interesting counterpoint to that series where it's like, it's not that these people can do magic because they're, you know, special chosen ones who are like genetically superior. Uh, it is like explicit that anyone can do this thing. Uh, and the, the star of the series is this little girl who grows up in like a dressmaker's shop uh, and finds that like those skills that are kind of like looked down on by like some of her, you know, kind of witchy peers uh, actually make her better at practicing magic. And it's also just like, uh, so it's, you know, it's a very like, so far, like a very tenderhearted story. I've only read the first volume, so who knows where it goes after that. But it's also just like a strikingly beautiful comic. Like the the art is really incredible. I think in particular, like characters are very expressive. Like their their facial expressions are, are like really really wonderfully done. And there's lots of great landscapes. There's also sort of these sequences of spells being cast, which involves like drawing a lot of different like runes and patterns and things. Um, and those are all just like really lovingly lovingly done so i'm not like too far into it just like you know the first volume so only a couple of, of issues or whatever but so far it just feels like a very you know it's a, it's a beautiful book and it's it's an interesting story and one that seems like very positive and and you know hopeful and and aspirational um so so far that's been great uh, i've been really enjoying that very very different from your choice but still great <laughs> it's a book that i've like had on my reading list for a while i read like the first couple chapters but just never like got fully into it but it's been something i've been wanting to go back to and read so maybe i'll hop on as well yeah mm -hmm. we can we can swap books Perfect. for next time but with that that brings us to the end of this episode of girl mode until next time you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts or you can find us on twitter at girl mode underscore pod or on co-host at girl mode dash pod and you can find me both those places at robin bombas and i am on both those places at the willow row we'll see you next time in virtual reality Oh, my brain just stopped for a second. Oh, that's okay. I'm Mine's sorry. Barely turned on today. Do you ever have that thing? <laughs> this happens to me every once in a while, where I'm recording with you and I'm just listening to you talk. And for a second, my mind's like, I'm just listening to the podcast. Oh, wait, I'm recording. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I'm participating in the podcast. Yeah. Oh, <sighs>
<sighs> da, 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 da. Okay, 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 okay. What's a good thought? <laughs> That's the the big question. 